Today we are talking with experienced clinical psychologist Dr. Nihara Kraus, founder and CEO of the STEM4 Teenage Mental Health Charity. Welcome everyone to our 38th in our series of podcasts brought to you by Good Thinking, London's digital mental wellbeing service, providing round-the-clock mental wellbeing support for those living or working in London. This is Sonia Etetwani, and in this podcast, Dr. Kraus describes how STEM4 developed apps to support the mental health of young people and those who support them, including their families and carers, educational professionals, as well as school nurses and GPs, through the provision of mental health education, resilient strategies and early intervention. Over to you, Richard and Nihara. Thank you, Sonia, and thank you, Nihara, for giving us your time today. Thank you for inviting me. We were really excited when we launched the Young People Service on Good Thinking that we were able to work with you. And later in this podcast, we're going to be talking about the three really innovative and effective apps that we're able to bring to young Londoners. But I just wanted to start by asking that as a practicing clinical psychology, so still seeing young people and their families, their parents in face-to-face situations, what was it that led you to develop STEM4? And can actually tell us a little bit about what STEM4 is? Yes, of course. So um, as a practicing clinical psychologist, I've always been really passionate about trying to provide big reach to people. So not everyone with mental ill health issues present in the same way. But one of the things we do know is that as a baseline, there are some very, very good and effective early intervention tools that are available. And I just wanted to think of a way in which as many young people as possible could have access to something that was free. And that's where STEM4 comes in because STEM4 is a teenage mental health charity. I founded it 10 years ago and our focus is on early intervention so the name stem uh, arises from stemming the tide of a growing difficulty and when we established mental health and mental ill health in young people was not really talked about and you know there weren't digital tools as such that were as you know available as today and neither schools focus on mental health. So stemming and four, because we started off focusing on four main areas of mental ill health. We've subsequently expanded. So in a similar way to myself, you were working with young people in those face-to-face settings, but wanting to do much more than you could possibly reach from the consulting room. That's it, yes. And I'm really liking that sort of emphasis, which is absolutely core to the, the good thinking vision, which is you give people something that they can use at an early stage when they're just becoming aware of a difficulty that I guess in the end reduces suffering. Exactly. We also wanted to involve as many important people in a young person's life as possible, which again, our digital tools provide. So we wanted the involvement of parents, of carers, of teachers, um, and indeed other friends, because for young people in particular, friends are their first source of support. So we were really thinking about the young person and the system around them. One thing that it's probably helpful to, to mention at this point for, for any young person listening to this podcast is what happens when you download any of the STEM4 apps. And I guess there are, there are different routes to that. There are those that you can find via the Good Thinking website, but also from the app stores. If a young person is worried about data, are they able to download the apps and pretty much get the whole package at that point of registration? Yes, absolutely. So one of the things that we are very keen to do is to make sure that anyone who uses our app has got as small a digital footprint as possible. And as such, we 
uh, any data that's stored is stored in a completely anonymized model. We have no way of identifying who might be using our app. So if a young person goes and registers on any one of our apps, it will ask them completely voluntarily to provide us with some basic information. All that does is it helps us to improve our apps. It will ask about whether they're in treatment, where in country they may be, but these are very big demographic locations and certainly for good thinking. It would ask if they did say London, then it would pinpoint them to more London-centric resources and all the good thinking uh, resources that are available. We have some inbuilt metrics, which as a young person navigates the app, will provide us again with which areas of the app a young person uses the most. But again, we cannot identify the young person with where they are. And I think one of the really nice bits of the app is that you can personalize it because when we work with young people, we co-develop and co-design all our apps. Many, many young people said to us, we want to be able to personalize our apps. And so part of that personalization ranges from choosing your own color scheme to being able to choose your own avatar if you want to make your journey or your companion. But also if you do write bits in a, in a log, again, that's completely confidential. So you can be assured that uh, we do not share your data or store your data anywhere uh, that can be identified. So you're really helping everyone who'd be a bit concerned about what was known about their their use of an app. They get that private, confidential service, almost as if they were seeing a psychologist like yourself in a consulting room somewhere. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, I guess that one of the things that's difficult, of course, is if you were seeing a psychologist or any mental health professional, they would be able to support you if you were going through a period of high risk. So one of the things that we do... um, Again, we have messages that will come up. If you're using the app and you are reporting that uh, it's not helping you, then we will have pop-up messages that direct you to national signposts to keep you safe. But again, we cannot link the person with the emergency you're in. So if you are using the app in an emergency, then please, please also seek uh, the support of a mental health professional face-to-face. And I think what's really helpful about our working together is I think those links will take you through to the urgent support resources on good thinking as well. So it really reinforces that encouragement to seek help for those who are in crisis. So fantastically helpful again. One of the things I I wanted to ask a bit about, which I think you're starting to touch on, is not only what areas you, you were developing apps for in terms of mental health difficulty, but also how you went about the process of designing and developing the apps, because it sounds as if talking with young people has been absolutely key to their development. Absolutely. So STEM4 started off working with schools, secondary schools and colleges. We would go into the school or college and talk to young people about what sorts of mental ill health difficulties they were experiencing. And then from there, we became aware, by informed by young people themselves, that there were many topics that were relevant to young people and that they wanted to access some help, but from a trusted source. In fact, very early on in our development, we had a number of young people say to us, you know, we'd always go and access information on the web if he wanted something uh, that we were concerned about to be answered. But actually, we didn't know whether that was a trusted source. 
so I was really keen to be able to provide that trusted voice to be able to use what are called evidence-based treatments in some of the areas, which are sort of treatments that have been really researched and that we know work effectively at that first stage. So the way we go about developing the apps is I will have the clinical model that will be effective. We work with groups of young people in our schools and we will have interested young people who will put themselves forward. We usually have about 15 to 20 young people in a group. Sometimes we've had more, sometimes we've had less. The age range is from anyone who's about 13, 14, all the way through to uh, early 20s. And we will have, we will involve the school in terms of parents will be told a little bit about the process. Young people will opt in to take part. And we will then work also with our safeguarding lead present as well as the school safeguarding lead, just in case any of the discussions bring up anything that might be young people. And we will initially present them with design ideas. So our, our app designers will ask them about colors, letters, whether they want some sort of what kind of characters, would they want characters, would they not? So we'd really make that design process collaborative. And then I will present what the therapeutic model looks like and just say to young people, would you use this? Which bit of it might you use? How might we phrase the wording? So again, we would co-design that process. And we have about four or five meetings with young people at different stages. So early stages in terms of the idea, then we would go back and say to them, how would you want the user journey? The way we would predict it is this, what do you think? We would then do what are called early wireframe frames and then we will go back and ask our user groups to give us some feedback on those. We have also now started to include young people in part of our clinical safety process. So what that means is that we have a team of uh, clinicians who would help us to start to think about how the apps can be absolutely safe and fit in with NHS guidelines. But we've realised that, that often young people themselves can tell us a little bit about how young people tend to use apps. For example, each of the apps are password protected and that's a safety feature for young people. They may not want to use the password, for example. But when we run our clinical safety group with young people, many of them said to us, well, actually, our friends know our password uh, or our friends can also access it using a thumbprint. So and that was a hazard that none of us as clinicians had ever thought about. So we involved young people in that. And then towards the final stages, we ask young people again whether the app that we've created works for them. And it's never too late, whatever the cost, to go back and make changes if we get that feedback. So we truly, truly believe that what we create um, works with young people. And we do the same thing for our parent app. We work with groups of parents uh, in terms of getting their feedback. And I guess what's also a great opportunity in this process is, is you also get to work with quite a diverse group of young people that it isn't a matter of one size fits all. You're, you're hearing many young people's voices, many parents' voices in the development of the apps. We are indeed. So we're not going out and selecting young people who do have mental ill health issues. We're working with the general mm-hmm. population because our apps are for the general population. But inevitably within the groups, we will have young people who have experienced um, some of these difficulties and that, that will be incredibly informative for us in terms of how we read the journey. So yes, we have got a very broad palette and we are keen to embed as many voices as possible. We've also over the last 
few years in our more recent apps, worked with trying to include as many diverse groups as possible and also looked at issues around access. So we've looked at perhaps young people whose vision might be a bit more impaired, how they might approach it. Uh, we haven't been able to get many very large groups, but we've absolutely kept that in mind when we have developed our apps. Well, it sounds like a really thorough process and and that critically important aspect of a young person knowing that if they come to use one of your apps, they really can not just trust that it would be effective, but that young people themselves have helped to create that end product that is going to be attuned to to that time of life. So so that's a really exhaustive process, it sounds, Nihara. Yes, it is. (laughs) 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 One of the things that really excited us when we were sort of thinking about collaborating with you, uh, I guess, too, in terms of providing these apps to Londoners, was based on our own research. A couple of years ago, we commissioned a really interesting design agency called Normally to talk with young people about how they wanted to be supported around their mental health. And one message that came across very loud and clear was that they wanted information on how to support a friend who was struggling with a mental health difficulty. And they didn't think the NHS was providing any information on that. And then we discovered that you'd come to a similar conclusion with one of the apps that we'll we'll be talking about, Combined Minds, which offers support to both a parent, carer, and or a friend of someone who may be struggling. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about how you came to to develop Combined Minds, which is an app that has so much potential to be supporting the mental health of young Londoners? Yes, so we have always worked with, uh, when we worked with young people in schools, we were very keen to offer friends advice and support as we did parents. But a few years ago, actually just about a year prior to the pandemic, we uh, were approached uh, by a group of parents who very sadly had uh, lost their children to uh, poor mental health. And we, we wanted to be able to offer them something because many of them said that they didn't know where to access help. It would have been really helpful in the moment to be able to offer some support Um, and at the time they really wanted some help around depression in particular but also around anxiety and then when we widened our um, meeting with uh, parents uh, and carers then there were many many parents and carers of young people who had an eating disorder to us we really absolutely would like some help in terms of what to say what to do and how to manage uh, and support a young person without isolating them and without impacting on our relationship that then grew into thinking about other people who were also supporting and so we had then friends who said the same so it came from real life experience of of, uh, parents and friends coming to us and requesting something And what you remind me of is that really important sort of aspect of Combined Minds, which is support for someone in the moment. Because I guess even if someone is fortunate enough to be seeing someone like yourself, Nihara, in in a consulting room, the the chances are that'll be for an hour a week or so. And then there are many more hours of the week where perhaps feeling anxious, sometimes overwhelmed by 
the, the challenge of supporting someone can make it quite difficult to remember what are those things that could be helpful. But here, literally at hand, on your phone, there would be useful advice to help someone in the moment? Absolutely. So that's the really good thing about digital technology in particular, but certainly in terms of the STEM4 apps, they're immediate and they can be used outside of general service hours. And so it helps people to practice and consolidate perhaps what they might be reading, what they might be learning, what they might be hearing, and also from in terms of the support, if they are in a process of treatment, the the support and the message that they might be given by the people that they see. Yes, and it it just reminded me that I think when we were both at the launch event with the Mayor of London a, a few months back, I felt immensely proud that two of the young people that were part of that event did talk about helping friends in crisis. And uh, it really did seem to have that real world benefit for them. And I'm guessing you're, you're probably hearing similar things from parents and other young people. Yes, we are indeed. And I was very proud to hear that too. So I think it's, yes, it's useful. And what Combined Minds offers is something called a strengths-based approach, which is a different approach. So rather than thinking about what's wrong, we help friends and parents and carers to think about the strengths that a young person has, and then how they might work with that young person to use a strength they have to change. So it's a really positive way to try and overcome a difficulty, even if it's in in the in the immediate sense. Definitely one to download for almost any young person and uh, recommending, I would think, even more widely than parents. I imagine sometimes there would be a teacher or a social worker that might also find Combined Minds a really helpful resource. Yes, we've got a lot of feedback from therapists and social workers and other professionals uh, with regards recommending Combined Minds um, and also using it and lining up perhaps sometimes what their feedback might be alongside the app. So it's very useful. And Combined Minds is our only app where we have more people in treatment or parents supporting someone in treatment. So between about 51% to 54% of parents and friends who use the app are supporting someone who is in treatment. Again, it takes one back to that reality that you know the week is at many, many hours beyond that one hour that you might have with a therapist or psychologist during the week. So fantastic. Be good though not to lose sight of the fact that we're providing two further apps I mean, the first clear fear, again, very comprehensive, thought through support for a young person, but this time more in relation to anxiety, or as I guess as the title suggests, uh, things they may fear. Yes, indeed. So the app uses a form of treatment called or a model called cognitive behaviour therapy, which I'm sure many people have heard about, read about or CBT. And there's some really good research that shows that online delivered CBT is very effective. It's almost as effective as face to face if you want to. But I think what's very nice about the app again is that you can pick and choose which bits work for you. Well, on the top part of the app is a sort of step by step model of how to manage your challenge, anxious thoughts and anxious behaviours, anxious emotions. And then the second part of the app, we've just got some nice things that help people to distract themselves away from anxiety if they're worrying about something. So whether they, you know, look at some funny gifts or whether they read some jokes or whether they look at some quotes from inspiring people who've also been anxious and indeed learn a little bit about anxiety or do some reading because we also direct people onto other resources that might help support them. So again, that sounds like you can personalise the app to make sure that you're 
in touch with those things that might distract you, might make you smile, might give a, a bit of escape from that intense anxiety if you're struggling with it. And each person can have their own journey then in terms of overcoming those anxious feelings. Exactly. We've also got a dealing with immediate uh, anxiety and that has a, has a little audio on if you're feeling very panicky and certainly we have a number of re reports, both for myself in terms of my clinical practice, but also from the schools that STEM4 work with, that many young people have felt really acutely anxious on their return back to school and many have presented with panic type symptoms. So we've got we've got a little audio that you can listen to that might help you with regards managing some of those very intense panicky symptoms and help you to soothe and calm. And you can use it for just moments of anxiety too. So if you're anxious about exams, for example, um, you can set yourself a little a target around sleeping well, eating well, uh, improving your mental health but also then in terms of how you might manage performance-based anxiety or specifically anxiety around exams. So lots there to sort of adapt to the person and their situation. And, and as you say, using it in the moment yourself rather than, you know, a lot of young people often feel a bit daunted at the idea of undertaking a course of therapy, which feels like quite a commitment. This is something that could be a light touch through to a, a more intensive engagement with the app. Exactly. I also wanted to ask Nahara a little bit about the, the third app that we're providing, which is focused a bit more on mood and, and perhaps motivation and confidence. And uh, it is called Mood. Of mood. Does that have the same background as Clear Fear or, or is there a different therapeutic model? Move Mood uses a model which is all about increasing motivation. So one of the elements that is really uh, impacted when your mood is low um, and actually, I think a lot of young people, again, subsequent to the pandemic, would say, you know, they're having stopped and started. One of the things that you do lose is that sense of get up and go and motivation to keep going. So it uses um, a form of treatment called behavioral activation therapy, which is really a very simple way of getting your behaviors that might be connected with your low mood. So it might be that you feel a bit disheartened. It might might be that you don't really want to go get up and do some of the things that you've got some deadlines to do. It might be even that you've got to a point when you're not giving yourself the best attention and you might not be, you know, brushing your hair and showering as much as you might like to. So it helps you to choose a companion. And we've got some really cute companions to do on your journey. And you make a little commitment to yourself and to the companion that you are going to set some targets and goals. And the app will provide you with some very common targets and goals and we worked with young people to kind of get some examples of these or you can set your own target and goal and then you can diarize it and you will get lots of little motivating messages just reminding you uh, of your goal it might help you to continue if you're faltering a little bit with your target and then you can we tried to gamify the app so you can get some awards for setting up and then actually for achieving some of your goals and we only released that. Coincidentally, it was being developed throughout the pandemic, but the pandemic itself didn't inform its development, but it's been very, very useful. So it was released at the end of December last year. And it's our, our app where we have the most number of returning users because people are keen to be able to find alternative ways of getting themselves back on track. Yeah, that, that makes huge sense because, again, one of the things we've heard many times from young people is just how helpful it is to feel 
encouraged to be supported in in achieving those goals. And I guess my understanding of behavioral activation is it's it's also, again, quite personalized, sort of you are the person who tries to set those goals, even if there's a, a cute companion there supporting you as well. So it, it really is about not being told what to do, but actually working out for yourself what's important and trying to do those things that make life positive and motivate you. Absolutely. It uses what's called a values-based approach, which means that not all of us value, some people might value sports and getting back on track, some people might value academic performance and achievement. So it gives people the option of choosing something that they are most likely to want to achieve and then set a target to achieve that. Both for Clear Fear and Move Mood, we have also created some pandemic relevant. We've got a little uh, animated video on how to adapt the apps over the pandemic. So we know, for example, with anxiety, that there's been a lot of health-based anxiety. There might be other forms of anxiety that are more personal in the same way as mood. So we've got a little animated video together with the accompanying booklet, which helps to use those apps throughout this process of time when there's so much uncertainty and changes perhaps to plans and disappointments that we might be experiencing as a result of that too. And that's another really wonderful quality of digital innovation is that it's not so hard to keep updating and and bringing about changes. You mentioned this earlier, as the situation changes for a young person or or in terms of the pandemic as it did for us all. That's again, one of the the great opportunities that uh, clearly at STEM4 you're progressing. So, so much that that's uh, fantastically helpful about the apps and and being able to use them. Are you feeling at this point in time there are any groups in particular that seem to be getting the most out of the different apps? Anything that might help someone listening think, ah, that would be a great app for that young person or, or sometimes for that parent? I think it's really across the board, but I certainly think that for young people who need immediate access. So if you if if there's an impulse driven need or urge, then I think it's definitely something. Uh, if it's a young person who perhaps doesn't like to use traditional services or finds it a bit difficult to um, access uh, kind of face-to-face services, then I think that would also be helpful. But in general, uh, all of our apps are popular. Anxiety, of course, by because of what it is, is very useful. But I'd say there isn't a specific demographic. It's generally around the different types of difficulties that our apps help young people. And I think that access issue and and the fact that these are supports that are there 24-7 would make a huge difference to, to many young people and, and for that matter, their families. You, you've also touched on clinical safety, and that's something we both at, you know, ourselves at Good Thinking and yourselves at STEM4 take very seriously. Are there any groups where you'd be a bit more cautious or, or think they perhaps shouldn't be trying to use the app at least at that time in their life? Yes, I think that if, you know, your difficulties have been going on for a very long time, if they are very severe and you have perhaps you're potentially at risk as you have thoughts that might be related to suicide, for example, then I would really suggest that um, face-to-face connection, contact assessment would be uh, better. And you can, of course, use the app alongside uh, those treatments. But digital doesn't really substitute for face-to-face contact, it perhaps uh, highlights and uh, works with or alongside it. 
Again, it makes huge sense that apps can do a great deal, but uh, they can't provide the care that sometimes needs to come from a trusted adult one way or another. So it's very helpful advice for anyone listening. So huge achievements over the 10 years that STEM4 has been in existence, Nihara. Proud. <laughs> yes, exhaustive and exhausting, we might now say. Where next, though, for STEM4? What, what ideas have you got for other areas that you'd like to develop in? don't know whether that would be an app or, or support in other ways, but I'm sure there'll be some ideas. Uh, oh, yes, we've got loads and loads of ideas. So we are constantly revisiting and revising the apps that we already have. We're very keen to continue to use our user base feedback in terms of improving and enhancing the quality of the apps we offer. There are always new technologies, and then we have to, we want to investigate on how we might embed those new technologies, again, with the advice of the young people that we work with, of course, as to whether those would help. So there's lots that we want to continue to do to make them even more effective at what they do. Uh, We've got lots of ideas for other new apps uh, that uh, young people would benefit from. So we are um, at the moment trying to get together some money to develop an app that might help with regards to body image eating disorders, for example. Um, And we are in the process of developing a resilience platform, which will be very useful, I think, in terms of its help in just keeping well rather than necessarily necessarily managing ill health, mental ill health. So yeah, we have lots of ideas. Well, we'd certainly be very supportive, as you know, of, of both of those, not least because uh, the pandemic has had a particular impact on those struggling with an eating disorder. I think our colleagues at BEAT, when we spoke with them last year, said that uh, eating disorders thrive in isolation. And that is unfortunately one of the things the pandemic brought to us all. So really looking forward and, and very much hoping that you you get the support to develop those and we'd very much like to to be part of that journey Nihara so um, great news but speaking of isolation we've now got pretty much towards the end of, of this podcast and despite all your hard work and creative engagement with young people in developing something that adds to what we can provide in the health space I'm going to perhaps rather cruelly it might now seem um ask you to to join us in in a moment where we allow the listener to get to know you a little better and we do that through a thought experiment of asking you to think about going back into isolation going back into a lockdown experience but this time you can choose three famous or prominent people to take with you I mean, I mean, it may be given the the intensity and, and amount of work that you're undertaking that that may not be such a bad thing to have some space. If you were to go back into a lockdown, who would you take with you? Gosh, that's a that's a difficult exercise, isn't it? So let me have a think. So I think I, for sure I would take Jamie Oliver only because I've admired the work he's done, the kind of focus that he's had on improving, you know, all the kind of young people's diet. In- but I think I'd also have some really good meals. So, <laughs> so perhaps, perhaps Jamie Oliver. Um, this might be a bit left field, but but maybe Marcus Rushford because over the pandemic he has really shown the disparity that there, there is in terms of us. Pain is not felt equally by all. And I think the idea of working alongside him and being able to provide um, groups of people with school meals and and food would be amazing and it might also be that you know I might have got a little bit of a look into the Euros and and football (laughs) and 
the third, the third, the third. Oh, maybe Oli Merz. I like his music and I like watching him on the X Factor. So, so maybe Oli Merz. <clears throat> of an Essex theme there, so you you may need some translation tools as well. Um, but but uh, I, I was thinking that one aspect of that that perhaps is core to your work that comes across now is both Jamie Oliver in terms of what he was trying to do in relation to school meals and improving someone's life chances through good nutrition. And then, of course, what Marcus Rashford was doing over the, the past year, again, to kind of make sure no one got left behind, really, where food poverty was, was such an issue during the pandemic. And, and and I do link that with what you've been trying to do through STEM4 with being able to reach more young people who may not be in the situation where even if they can access a service, may not be in a community or a family where that would be supported. So that makes huge sense, Nihara. The one thing I would add is you might want to make sure you have Move Mood in there with you if you're going to be thinking about the Euros with Marcus <laughs> Rashford. Uh, <laughs> you might need a bit of mood boosting all around with that. No. And perhaps Jamie can rustle up some, something so to Yes, some, no, absolutely. Uh, the other thing, of course, the focus with food is we always forget, don't we, that we need really good physical health in order to improve our mental health and vice versa. Yeah. And I think if we can start to think about good nutrition and good sleep and all of those things that are so vital to help support our mental health, then that would also be really good. Yes, and it reminded me, I, I would have said it earlier, that the Clear Fear app also makes use of the body through breathing exercises that also are so powerful when it comes to supporting someone with anxiety. Yes. The, the body is the mind's best friend, it turns out, when it comes to mental health. So, uh, an interesting group of people, but uh, yeah, I haven't said too much about Ollie Murs, but we'll, we'll let him find his own way. You are allowed to take some additional content in terms of something that you could have on a tablet, a book, film, TV series, music, even a recording of, of an event that might be uh, important and uh, a sport in there, if you can show Marcus a few good goals. What, what would you take there? Okay, so I think I'd have two different types of media. So first of all, I have to confess that I have an absolute passion for superhero movies and series. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, and as a psychologist, I'm always impressed with what tragic uh, experiences they've gone through. So either in terms of their tragic childhood or in terms of traumatic experiences they've encountered and how they try to overcome that through the superhero quality they have. So I might take some of some Netflix to have a have a catch up uh, again on some of those superhero series. Um, <laughs> and I think I'd like to take some old classic books. So I, from the time I was a young teenager all the way through, I've really enjoyed, I'd perhaps revisit books like To Kill a Mockingbird, Catcher in the Rye, you know, some of those that right. perhaps yep. not just be comforting because of the memories that they would bring for me, but also still carry words of wisdom that you can always reread and perhaps understand from a different context. That's a very interesting suggestion. And, and again, through the pandemic, lots of people have wanted to do things that kind of help them feel they're still developing and we're not just stuck in a Groundhog Day. That I guess books like those, and perhaps even some of those TV shows and, and Marvel yeah. films, actually also get one to think a little bit about a time of life. And of course, the people you're working with, I guess, Nara, are all struggling to, to find a way into the adult world and hopefully a good future with all those values and sense of a, a identity that, that go with that. It sounds like you're going to be having some thinking space. 
Well, I think we, we are then going to allow you some luxury <laughs> that might okay. uh, give you a break. I, I mean, with Ollie Murr's earplugs are not out of bounds, but I, I guess it probably wouldn't be the best choice of person if that were your interest. Is there anything you'd, li you'd like that would, again, just make that lockdown experience a bit more comforting, enjoyable? Um, oh, my goodness, what luxury. Well, I guess one of the things with lockdown has been all the kind of extra hand washing and hand sanitizers. So maybe my luxury might just be some nice simple hand cream that that smells like okay. <laughs> just to help with uh keeping my hands you know as clean as uh, is needed really well i i think that has been possibly one of the best public health <laughs> announcements that despite being in lockdown with those people you're still going to keep washing your hands and observing guidance <laughs> in that way which is actually really really uh sensible and and in fact generous to others so i think a nice big jar of some really expensive yes. sophisticated yes. hand cream I, I think we, we can <laughs> offer you that so I, I just want to thank you again for all the work you've been doing with your colleagues at STEM4 and I, I think again now thinking about how digital can help with inequalities and give more support and more options to young Londoners. Yeah, really proud to be working with you, Nihara, and looking forward to your future developments. Thank you again. Thank you. We have really enjoyed our work with Good Thinking. I hope long may it continue. I hope so too. 